The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game ones. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. We're also brought to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Head to cut.com, that's K-U-T-T.com, and use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. We're also brought to you by the SGPN Merch Store. 50% off everything when you use the promo code PLAYOFFS. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast. Now, it is currently Monday afternoon, January 22nd. I'm your host, always, Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode because it is quarterfinal time in the Australian Open, so we're going to cover the men's side for the quarters. A lot of high high-profile players in it, so it should be a lot of fun. Going to cover all four matches. Before we get into any of that, do want to recap what happened with our picks from the fourth round and some just overall takeaways from the fourth round. Starting off with the picks, we lost the lock. Wasn't even close. Had Manorino plus the nine and a half games as he got absolutely buried. Double bagel to start the match. Uh, Manorino had some fun with it while he was kind of laughing at himself uh, when he was at the chair. I don't know what else you're supposed to do at that point. You're getting killed, and he was just going to have some fun with it. But Djokovic killed him as we ended up losing the lock. For the dog, though, picked up a nice winner as we had the two-pick parlay. Had the over three-and-a-half sets in the Fritz match parlayed with the over three-and-a-half sets in the Rublev match, and that got there easily as that ended up cashing at a plus plus 107 price. So ended up splitting with the episode. Uh, So could be worse, could be better. Look for a sweep here in this Monday episode. But to get into the actual... A recap of the matches that took place for the fourth round, starting off with the uh, we'll go in order. Actually, we'll cover all of them. So starting off with the first match, you had the Manorino match where he got killed by Djokovic, a six zero six zero six three. Manorino was exhausted, but Djokovic was just too solid, and you ended up seeing Manorino having really nothing to offer in terms of resistance as Djokovic looked fully healthy and he got back on track. I don't really regret the play because once again, Djokovic was struggling physically and. It did seem like Djokovic was once again winning, but not by margin, and nine and a half just felt disrespectful. Turns out it wasn't, as Manorino had nothing to offer, and Djokovic killed him. As for the next match, though, you had a pretty fun one between Fritz and Sitipas, where Fritz got the job done, and he won in four. Fritz got more and more comfortable against the Sitipas serve as the match went on, and Sitipas really blew a lot of chances to make the match more interesting than it was. Classic Sitipas loss, where he looks pretty good for the event, dropping some sets here and there. Then he ends up, I don't want to say no-showing, but he underperforms, and you end up seeing Fritz beat him. So props to Fritz, got the job done. He looks solid, uh, had a couple of really nice passing shots in some big moments, and Fritz got the job done in four. Moving on to the next match that we have to recap, which was the matchup between Sinner and Kashanov. Uh, Sinner won in straight sets, but it was competitive. All three sets were pretty fun. Kashanov probably should have won a set. Uh, basically blew every breakpoint ch- break chance that he had, and you're looking at Sinner who was just able to win the big points more often than not, and that was the story of the match. So it was straight sets, but don't, I'd say, confuse that with a blowout. I did think the sets were competitive, but Sinner won um, the clutch points, and Kashanov really just couldn't win any of those, as Sinner won in straight. As for the other matches, you had Rublev winning a war against Dimenauer. Very fun match for about four sets, as you ended up seeing them split it, uh, with Dimenauer winning the middle sets via tiebreaks, and then Rublev came back and won the fourth 6-3. So you figure, okay, should be a really fun fifth set. It's been a great uh, overall match of tennis so far. Let's see what happens. Then Dimenauer comes out and gets absolutely buried, and Rublev wins 6 nothing. So that was really anticlimactic. I can't really blame Dimenauer 
for, I'd say, folding, it just seemed like Rublev went into God mode and Dimonara had no answers. Now, it got a little bit interesting late because Rublev was cramping at 4 nothing. So you thought maybe Dimonara can make the mess interesting. Rublev's kind of dragging one foot behind him. Maybe Dimonara can break and make the match interesting. He didn't win a game as, as he ended up seeing Rublev win both games with the cramping which is really impressive, and Rublev was unloading even more on the forehand and backhand because he wanted to shorten the points, and he wanted to avoid running, and it worked out as Rublev got the job done. So we'll see if the leg is going to heal in time for his match against center, but the point is Rublev got the job done in five. Good for him. A pretty standard Dimonauer loss. I feel like he loses this type of matches in Grand Slams all the time where he's got a very good player on the ropes, and he never wins, and we saw the same thing happen here. So Rublev advances to the quarterfinals. We'll see if he can get the job done for the first time in his career. He is currently 0-9 in Grand Slam quarterfinal matches. 0-9. So maybe he'll get it done. We'll see. But the point is good for him for advancing. Then you have the matches from the last night and this morning. You have Medvedev beating Borges in four. Uh, pretty straightforward. It was up 2-0. Borges did win a set, but Medvedev killed him in the fourth. 6-1. And you had Hercatch beating Kaza in straight sets. Came back from the breakdown in the first set as he ended up winning via breaker, then won via breaker again, and won in the third set 6-4. Simply put, the Hercatch serve was just too good. Uh, Kaza had no answers. To go through the actual path, or I should say the yeah, the path of the uh, match for Hercatch, he won 91% of the first serve points and 86% of the second serve points. If he's serving that well, he got no chance. So Hercatch dominated, and we'll see if he can continue the serving dominance against Medvedev in the quarterfinals. Moving on, though, to the last couple of matches, you had a marathon between Zverev and Nori, where Zverev did win in five sets. He's dominated Nori in the head-to-head. -head. Same story here. Did go the distance, though, and Zverev did win pretty convincingly in the Super Breaker as he won 10-3. Props to Nori, though. He had a really bad 2023. Bounced back well uh, with a solid start to 2024, and he brought Zverev to the brink, and Zverev, once again, was able to survive in a fifth set, for the, I believe it's the, what is it, the third time in this event? It's either the second or third time, I don't remember. But the point is, Zverev got the job done, as he was able to win via Super Breaker. It was the second time he was in a fifth set. Both times, Djokovic, uh, both times, sorry, both times Zverev did win in a Super Breaker. So we'll see once again if he can keep any energy left over for the quarterfinal match against Alcaraz. Because Alcaraz beat Kikmanovic, and he killed him. Uh, Kikmanovic ended up having a competitive uh, loss in the first two sets, 6-4, 6-4. Then he got buried, lost 6-0 in the final set. So not even close. Alcaraz killed him, and Alcaraz has gotten a lot better as the event has gone on, which is not a good sign for Zverev. Now, as for the women's side, a couple more surprises. You ended up seeing Svitolina retire three games into her quarterfinal match as she lost to Noskova. Uh, you had Azarenka losing in straight sets to Yastremska, and besides that, you had Andriva losing to uh, Kedjakova. So the upsets continue. You still have Sabalenka. You still have Goff, who are definitely the favorites to win the event. I think it's pretty safe to say that Goff and Sabalenka versus the field is probably the way to go about it. And I would take Goff and Dash or Sabalenka against the field. I think it's a matter of time before we end up seeing those two face off against each other. But who knows? Maybe uh, Zhang, for example, can pull off an upset. But again, me, Goff, and uh, Sabalenka, I think one of those two win the event. As for the actual men's, uh, not really much more to add. I'm trying to think if there was anything else worth talking about. I don't think so. 
I saw people giving Djokovic, I'd say, some criticism for the way that he handled the crowd when Manorino finally won a game, uh, when it was one nothing after the double bagel in the third set. I don't care. People think Djokovic is a dick. I don't care. It means nothing to me. He's the best player of all time. He can do whatever he wants. I like to watch him play tennis. I don't care about all the other stuff around it. He's going to have beef with the crowd. He pumps himself up. It is what it is. Whatever. I have nothing more to add. It's really a non-story for me, so I'm not going to bother there. If you want to feel old, you have Leighton Hewitt's son, Cruz Hewitt, losing in the Australian Open Juniors. So if you want to feel old, you're welcome, or I'm sorry. So there you go. But he ended up seeing Leighton Hewitt's son. I believe Davenport's son also lost in juniors. So once again, it's time flies. Let's put it that way. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball, and college football. Simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little money over Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. And remember, when you sign up with the promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. It's Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. PN. Not really much more to add. I think I covered everything, but now it's time to actually get into the match previews for the quarterfinals. Starting off with the with the early match, you have the matchup between Djokovic and Fritz. Djokovic is a massive favorite at minus 900, and Fritz is plus 600. Game spread, you have six and a half. Djokovic is minus 120, and you have Fritz at even money. Over-under in games is 34 and a half. Over is minus 105. Under is minus 115. For an alt line, you can get 33 and a half and minus 120 on the under, and the over is minus 110. Fritz to win a set is minus 105. Djokovic winning straight sets is minus 125. Match to go over three and a half sets is plus 105. Under is minus 135. Match to go to five sets is plus 400. So in the head-to-head, Djokovic has owned Fritz in their careers, as Djokovic is currently 8-0 lifetime. In fact, Fritz has only won a set in one of the eight career meetings, and that was in the Australian Open back in 2021. Djokovic was up two sets to nothing. Then I believe he had an abdomen issue, which caused him to lose the next two sets, and he bounced back and won the uh, fifth set, 6-2. Since then, though, uh, just been smooth sailing for Djokovic. We saw them in Cincinnati last year. Djokovic won 6-0-6-4. Saw them in the U.S. Open. Djokovic won 6-1-6-4-6-4. Fritz was good against Tsitsipas. He's gotten better as the event's going on after having that five-set, I'd say, nerve-wracking experience against Diaz Acosta, where he trailed uh, two sets to one. But he beat Gaston comfortably, beat Morozin in four, beat Tsitsipas in four. Djokovic, though, has gotten so much better as the event has gone on, beating Echeverry and beating Manorino comfortably in straight sets. I think Djokovic wins again, probably in straight sets, maybe a breaker in there. But Fritz, once again, the issue that I have from watching that last match, the serve wasn't as dominant as I was hoping it would be. And I saw Sitsipas get a lot of returns into play. And if you see Djokovic and Fritz rallying a lot in this match... Fritz is screwed. Like, he has to put away the points early because Djokovic is going to outweigh him, and Fritz is going to hit some unforced errors. There's also some psychological barrier that Fritz has to actually overcome where you're looking at a guy who's 0-8 lifetime against his opponent. He's lost seven meetings in straight sets. I do think if Fritz goes down early, one set or two, no- or two sets to nothing, does he roll over? He might. I've criticized the American tennis players recently for being mentally fragile, and I do think Djokovic can break him uh, mentally if Fritz goes down early, and I think that's going to happen. So give me Djokovic in straight sets. Maybe Fritz takes a set, but I do think Djokovic will never 
be on upset alert in this match. I see worst case maybe dropping a set, kind of like the Medvedev match against Borges Monday morning, where he drops a set, but you know deep down that Borges isn't winning the match. Like, I think Fritz is going to lose. Djokovic has been in great form. He's basically unbeatable in the Australian Open. Give me Djokovic in straight sets at about minus 125. I'll link to the under in general, because I think that Djokovic wins comfortably. But I do think, once again, Fritz is going to run into his kryptonite, and it's going to result in a loss. Moving on to the next match, you have a matchup between Sinner and Rublev, which is very fun on paper. So going through the actual prices for these players, Sinner's minus 400 on the money line, where Rublev is plus 320. As for the game spread, you have Sinner at minus 5.5 and minus 115. Rublev plus 5.5 is at minus 105. Over-under in games is 37.5. The over is minus 105. The under is minus 115. For all the lines, you can get 36.5. The over is minus 125. The under is minus 105. If you want to go for set wagering, you can get Sinner to win in straight sets at plus 150. Rublev to win a set is minus 180. Match to go over three and a half sets, though, is minus 150. Match to end in straight sets is plus 120. Match to go five is plus 260. So going through the head-to-head, it's been competitive between these players. In fact, Sinner is up four to two. Now, Sinner has done well the last couple of meetings, did win both meetings in hardcore last year, beat Rublev in Miami, in uh, straight sets, and he beat Rublev in Vienna in straight sets as well. That was competitive, did win that one, 7-5-7-6. So Rublev can keep this interesting. The fun little anecdote between the head-to-head meetings is that the two wins Rublev has against Sinner was because Sinner got injured and retired. So every match that's been completed between these two players from start to finish, Sinner's won. So I do think Rublev, once again, is going to be up against it, and he did mention in the post-match uh, interview. He might have been being satirical, but still, he said he might be in trouble facing off against Sinner, especially since he was cramping at the end of the fifth set against Dimenauer. So, health-wise, Sinner's got the edge. Sinner hasn't dropped a set yet in this event, and yes, the competition has been weak. Beat Kashanov is basically it. The point is, though, I do think Sinner is in better form. The fact that he won the last two meetings, both on hard court in 2023, very convincingly, tells me that Sinner is definitely the guy to beat in this matchup, and I think it's going to show itself in this battle. Rublev, if he's going to win, has to win the first set. I don't believe Rublev, with the current cramping issues and with the amount that he's played recently, having to go to five sets against Seaboth Wild and five sets against Dimenauer, I do think there's some mileage on those legs, and I do think that Sinner is going to win this. I think Rublev wins a set, though. I think that Sinner, despite beating Kashanov, looked vulnerable at times, and I do think that Rublev can capitalize in areas that Kashanov could not. So give me the over three and a half sets here at a good price, in my opinion, of minus 150. I don't understand how Rublev to win a set is minus 180, but match to go to uh, over three and a half is minus 150. Rublev's not winning in straight sets. Like, that's just not going to happen. So I'm going to save 30 cents there, and I'm going to lean to Rublev and Sinner over three and a half sets. But I do think Sinner wins probably convincingly, but I do think that Rublev is going to get on the scoreboard at least for one set before Sinner goes back to beating him in four. So I'm going to lean to Sinner in this one. I I was tempted by Sinner minus one and a half sets at minus 200, but 200 is too steep for me. I would take it at 150 maybe, but 200, no, I'm not going to take. Now, moving on. Uh, also, I forgot to mention, once again, I mentioned it before, but in this match breakdown, until Rublev actually wins a quarterfinal match, I'm not going to pick him. He's 0-9. It's like picking Josh Allen to be Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game. You're just not going to do it. Like It's just not going to happen. At some point, you realize this guy has my number, Toronto against LeBron. You get a lot of examples to draw from. The point is, 
until I see Rublev actually win a quarterfinal match, I'm not going to pick him to do so, especially after cramping in a five-set marathon the round prior, while Sinner won in straight sets. So give me Sinner once again uh, to win probably in four, and that's going to be it for that match. Moving on to the next matchup, you have Hercatch taking on Medvedev, which should be a lot of fun, actually, based on the head-to-head. So Medvedev's the favorite, which makes sense. He's minus 250. Now, her catch is plus 210. As to the game spread, Medvedev is minus 3.5 games at minus 115. Her catch plus 3.5 games is minus 105. If you do want to go with the total, the over-under, you can get 40 at minus 115 on the over. Under is minus 105. Or you could get 39. The over is minus 135. The under is plus 105. Simply put, I see a marathon in this match. I mentioned a second ago the head-to-head. Her catch is plus 210. With a winning record against Medvedev, he's actually four and two lifetime. Now they faced off in an exhibition event uh, before the Australian Open, faced off in the World Tennis League. They only played one set, and Hercatch did win via tiebreak. But the point is, Hercatch has been good against Medvedev. He's won the last two meetings, and I do think we saw them play in the ATP Finals back in 2021. Medvedev did win, but it did go three sets. I see a war here. I, I just think Hercatch's serve can give Medvedev problems with the serve position. I think Hercatch can go to the net. He's got some net skills. I think he should. But we saw how good Hercatch was at serving against uh, Kaza. He's the best server on tour right now. And I do think that Medvedev might have problems breaking him throughout this match. I think Medvedev's a good server too, though. Hercatch isn't exactly a great rallier. So I think that both players stylistically can battle each other. And I do think you're going to end up seeing a clash. But I do think Hercatch is alive here. If you're 4 and 2 lifetime, plus 210. It's a great deal. I think Medvedev should be favored based on reputation, obviously. But 250, that's pretty steep. I see this being around 170, 160. So I think there's value in her catch. I'm going to lean to the games. I'm going to lean to the over in games here and sets. But I do think, once again, her catch can get the job done here. And I do think Medvedev has been vulnerable, dropping a set to Otman, dropped a set to Borges, and dropped two sets to Rusevori. He's had a couple of long sets in there. Against Borges, for example, had a breaker and a 7-5. Ended up going against Rusevori, had two tie breaks in that one. And he had a 7-5 against Otman in the first round. So he has had a couple of long sets. And her catch, we know, can go to breakers against anybody. Uh, I do think you're looking at what should be a fun matchup between two good servers. I think her catch is live. But give me the over in games. Give me a marathon. I think that's where the money should go for this match. And moving on to the final matchup in the quarterfinals, you have Zverev taking on Alcaraz, where Alcaraz is a big favorite. He's about minus 500. Uh, Zverev the other way is about plus 395. Over-under for games here is at 36 and a half. Uh, minus 115 to the over, minus 105 to the under. If you want the uh, Alcaraz wagers once again, I do think straight sets is interesting at minus two and a half sets at about plus 140. And Alcaraz to win minus one and a half sets is minus 215. Uh, match to go over three and a half sets is minus 140. Match to end in straight sets is plus 110. Match to go to five sets is plus 275. Now, Zverev has been good in the head to head against Alcaraz, but it is a bit misleading as Alcaraz did win his matches early in their careers while Alcaraz. Uh, was still not even in the top 10. Uh, But Alcaraz ended up losing to Zverev twice in 2021. Recently, though, Alcaraz has done well. So Zverev did beat him in the ATP Finals, as that ended up going to three sets. That was Alcaraz's first match post-injury, so I was not shocked that there was some rust there, and Alcaraz lost in three. But he beat Zverev handily in the US Open, 
one six three six two six four. Beat him in Miami in straight sets six one six two. And once again, Zverev did win uh, three. Uh, Zverev did win uh, two of the first three meetings. So in their careers, or was it three out of four? Uh, yeah, he won three out of four in their in the first four meetings. So once again, a lot of Zverev's overall success in the head to head is front loaded. Back loaded wise is the Alcaraz success. That's good enough for me. Zverev's played a lot of tennis against bad competition or at least weaker competition. Went to five sets against Nori, had a five-set marathon against Klein, dropped the set against Kempfer. He's been vulnerable, and he's had a couple of breakers, which he's basically won all of. So I do think, once again, Alcaraz can potentially pull off this win pretty convincingly, and Alcaraz over the last two matches has been rolling. He looked a little bit iffy against Gasquet early, had some moments against Sonigo where it looked like he was potentially in trouble, then beat Chang 6-1-6-1-1-0 with a retirement in there, and beat Kekmanovich 6-4-6-4-6-0. He's just been in great form. You can argue similarly to Djokovic. He has been getting progressively better with each passing round. Zverev has been basically the same guy. He's been winning, but he's been involved in some marathons. That's a lot of mileage, and I do think that Alcaraz, who beat him in straight sets in the U.S. Open, might have the same exact path here. Plus 140, I really like. I think Zverev, once again, is a good player, but I do think that Alcaraz is on another level, and I do think based on current form, Kekmanovic was in great form. like He was playing good tennis, and Alcaraz beat him like he was nothing. So I think Alcaraz wins this one, potentially in straight sets. Give me the value, though, at plus 140. That's going to do it for the actual previews of the quarterfinal matches, and now it's time for the Walking Dog picks. But for intending that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. We're also brought to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and legal in 40 states. Peer-to-peer social betting is a new and better way to bet. Bet directly against your friends or other users on sports, politics, pop culture, and other events with verifiable outcomes, plus a ton of fun social features that give it a feel of a betting social network. Cut also offers lower, vague, and fully customizable odds. You can create your own bets. Cut handles the payment side of things. You never have to actually worry about that and chase anybody down for money. And they have great social features like group chats, betting leaderboards, head-to-head history, user profiles, fan groups, and more. And they have good rewards, too. Get cash back every single time you place a bet against your friends or other users. Remember that Cut is the peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and legal in 40 states. Head to cut.com. That's cut, K-U-T-T dot com. And use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger betting smarter at the NFL season with Hall of Fame Bets, sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets average at bets.com and use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. We're brought to you by the SGPN Merch Store. 15% off everything in the store from now until the end of the month with the promo code PLAYOFFS. And we're also having a contest with the SGPN crew as each show is competing against each other to see who can sell the most merch. And it is important to mention that because of breaking news, there's officially now Tennis Gambling Podcast merch. It was just released, and as a result, we have t-shirts, we have sweatshirts, soon to be coffee mugs. But the point is, we do have a lot of merch on there. So if you do support the show and you want to show your support, then I recommend check out the merch store to get some brand new merchandise from the Tennis Gambling Podcast. A reminder, once again, 15% off everything in the store from now until the end of the month with the promo code PLAYOFFS.
Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the quarterfinal matches for the Australian Open on the men's side. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go back to the Medvedev and Hercatch match, and I'm going to go with the over 39 games at minus 135. Simply put, I see a lot of holds in this match, and I see a couple tie breaks, and I think we should end up seeing at least four sets. Medvedev drops some sets to some weak competition. Hercatch drops some sets too, but we saw them face off before the Australian Open in one set. Went to a breaker. Yes, it was an exhibition, but the point is her catches serve. Has given Medvedev problems in the past. That's why he's four and two lifetime. And I do think Medvedev is good enough to obviously win a set at least off of her catch. But three and a half sets over is minus 205. So you're looking at probably four sets in here, maybe more. And with a breaker or two, it is pretty likely to go over this total. So give me the over 39 games at minus 135 as my lock. For my dog, I am going to go back to the last match. And the more that I talked about it, the more that I actually liked it. Give me Alcaraz to win in straight sets against uh, Zverev at about plus 140. I just think he's in too good of a form right now. And Zverev has beaten some weak competition or weaker competition via marathon. That is not exactly instilling much optimism. In, in me to get the job done here against Alcaraz. I think he'll stay at this current form. I think he'll be able to look sharp. And I do think that Zvera's fitness or stamina will be an issue at some point in this match. So give me Alcaraz to repeat what he did in the U.S. Open. Give me Alcaraz to win comfortably in straight sets against Zvera at plus 140 as my dog. So once again, my picks of the show, the lock is going to be on Medvedev and her catch over. 39 games at minus 135. And my dog will be on Alcaraz to win in straight sets at plus 140. That's going to wrap it up. A reminder, by the way, before we officially close it out, breaking news, we do have merch for the podcast. We have shirts. We have sweatshirts. We're going to have coffee uh, mugs in a day or two. But we finally have merch on the merch store. Check it out. Support the podcast by paying for a solid T-shirt, which is going to be, uh, I'd say, the first of many with this podcast. I'm trying to get a lot of different kinds, a lot of different colors, a lot of different schemes uh, when it comes to the actual colors. So we have a black and white one. We have green on green, a lot of different choices. But once again, I do recommend checking out the merch store on SGPN if you want to buy a a piece of clothing from the actual podcast. But once again, find me on Twitter, at Rice Show Radio. Find me on the NBA show, the NFL show. You get the point. Until next time, though, we're back once again for the semifinals. Probably going to do an episode for the women's semifinals as well, so stay tuned for that. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.